You're listening to the YWAM Nashville Podcast. My name's Cody. My name's Michael, and we'll be your hosts for this season. You've got the made for a Viking novella name. <laughs> That's what you got. Pedro? (laughs) (laughs) Pedro. That doesn't sound very Viking-like. Pedro Garcias. Pedro Gracias. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 14. Hi. We're back here again with uh, Mr. Peter here. (laughs) Pedro. Hello. Pedro the first. I am Pedro the first. (laughs) Of the Viking hands. (laughs) Yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back and introduce him in a bit. It's gonna be great. Can't wait. It's gonna be great, great, great. All right. Oh, by the way, did you guys know Oswald Chambers is Scottish? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I did. He's lost from my mind. Aberdeen, I believe. Yeah. Oh. So the next time you read "My Utmost for His Highest," just read it in a Scottish accent. Hey. <laughs> it's that much more powerful. It is exactly. It just hits you in a new way. All right. So. Now's the time for our usual, like, prayer points segment, formerly known as current events. And uh, I have absolutely nothing in mind. What about you guys? I have one you can decide if you want to yeah, put throw on. Yeah, it out there. Um, I'll say it in a casual sense, even though it's been put on Facebook, but uh-huh. you guys might not know this. Our former director's wife has cancer. Oh, really? And stage four i thought i heard so pretty serious stuff so we can be praying for for her and their family they have two kids that are 18 i think at least or an older and anyway just kind of sad news you know believing for their healing yeah they served faithfully here for 20 years you know and so it's pretty hard to hear that i can i'll just name two others since i'm talking about um we have a good friend whose teenage daughter ran away at 17 um, mm-hmm. They kind of think they know where she is, but she had, she had, when they found her, she had so many different problems going on and like, um, from a different marriage. And I guess I don't want to get too into it too much. I feel like I caught myself into getting into it too much, but all that to say, like my prayer is that even though they might know where she is, that where she is, she's going to be a testimony of like what three years with people who are believers and love the Lord and you know, minister and the difference in who, what this girl yeah. is now to the people now that she kind of went back to. Mm-hmm. And then finally we have some friends from another land in the Middle East where um, their kids are grown. They've been workers over there for years and they've come back to the States and one of the girls just gotten a really bad ATV accident in like intensive oh, no. care unit. And, yeah. you know, they're still overseas and they have to like come back and like, oh my gosh, is my daughter okay? And yeah. I can't imagine all of that. Like, so it's just kind of a heavy week, you know, with yeah. just things going on along those lines. Yeah. Man. There's some prayer points for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not sure. directly why I'm Nashville. Sure. Like, but no, that's one good. of them is. That's all right. That's I mean, we didn't have a lot of like why I'm Nashville prayer topics anyways. So I feel like it's definitely the Lord's heart that we pray for them. Yeah. This week. And mm. if you're listening, you can pray for them as well. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And you More were trying to decide if we wanted to talk about the one mishap around here i don't know if you want to say it or not yeah sure um you know we so we had a 
a camp here last week and uh, one of the students had contracted COVID somewhere along the way. And so we're just at a, a place where we're trying to navigate quarantining and all the different things we're being asked to do, but yet still feel from the Lord where to worship and to yeah. keep pressing in. And so just trying yeah. to navigate that in a yeah. loving it'd, community way. It'd be hard for us to just stop functioning, ev- even on the level that we are yeah. now. Not that we're like currently running a school or anything like that, but, you know, yeah, just trying to navigate all that is. Yeah. Is Luckily, it's we our leadership just like posted a response recently and it was like, it kind of seemed like we've already been acting as if we each had it just for the sake of like protecting. Basically you don't know if you do or don't. So it's safe. It's just to assume that you do. So it seems like everybody's been making decisions out of the place of like, I could be infected anyways. So it hasn't been that much of a shift. It feels like into like now you could have it even more, you know, it's, it's the same practically. It's just, um, yeah, just like pray a covering over our base. And, you know, the Thunder Camp and the student and their family and all that stuff. Definitely. Definitely. And the world at large who is in the middle of a pandemic. Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> well, on a lighter note now, we're uh, going to move on to the most anticipated segment of the podcast. What might that be, Michael? <laughs> Dad jokes with Cody. But so uh you may have noticed that the past couple episodes actually had intros and they were different and I've been I've been on the hunt for the perfect dad joke intro. Um that just like fully encapsulates like dad jokeness, you know? And uh so I, I thought we might Maybe listen to one now and and do an intro here in this moment. Oh, okay. The enjoyment of of our listeners and us. Let's try it. I'm down. All right. So I picked uh, I picked a song for this week. Um, we can kind of improv over (laughs) over the song. I'm impressed. uh, I I didn't even know. It's been like a week since we recorded the last ones. (laughs) I obviously haven't heard them yet. All right, <laughs> so uh, here's the first He's one. He actually made some intros. I didn't maybe, think he was uh, ever going to do it. It was maybe just going to be a thing that like, oh, there should be an intro here. <laughs> Too bad Michael never gets around to it. <laughs> no. Maybe even people uh, can comment and let us know, you know, which which intro you like better, which one you think is the best. <laughs> is it part of Missouri culture to have those little round to it things you put on your refrigerator? Have you ever seen those? Round to it, yeah. It's like a like magnet, and it says it has like a circle, and then something about like round, and then the number two. It it's basically like a little thing. That like I'll get around to it. I'll 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 see that later. I'll do that later. Oh, we it's we didn't more have like a Wisconsin thing. One. I've seen it. <laughs> definitely need one. I've never seen one of those. All right, so here's the. Well, I guess technically at this point, the third contestant for the song, because um, there's been two that I kind of did over the pre-recorded ones, but here we go. Yeah, smooth, buttery goodness. Biscuits and gravy. 
Welcome to Dad Jokes with Cody. Oh, got our, yeah. Got our biscuits and gravy today. <laughs> Making bacon. <laughs> Perfect. Making bacon pancakes. <laughs> All right, Peter, you got anything to say? Sounds like Cracker Barrel Brothers. <laughs> My uh, mashed Without potato. the pegs, sounds like Harley Davidson riders at the car. <laughs> does it? Does all right. You boys ready to hear a dad joke? I'm ready. Let's go. Where do you take someone injured in Peekaboo? To the ICU. Oh man! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I believe you boys just got served. (laughs) Big old platter of home fries. (laughs) Cody's like, Jesus, he did not come to be served, but but to serve. serve. Dad jokes. (laughs) There it is. All right. (laughs) All right, Peter, you're actually a dad. How does that make you feel? Mm, I'm trying to rate it. Like, is there a scale? I don't know. know. Not really. (laughs) One out of five. Lovely. Lovely. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. It's <laughs> not a number. Two different scales. It's not a number, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Two different scales, and I gave a rating instead of a scale. <laughs> I meant one through five. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm actually... We're off to a good start, Mildly boys. distracted enough, I didn't actually get it. That's okay. <laughs> You'll listen to it later <laughs> and be like, oh, that's joke, actually you're like, funny. Wow, Peter. Yeah. You got some work to do in your Just brains. Just whiffed it. So good. <laughs> Well, that's been that segment. Let us know what you think about that song for the theme song. Oh, man, good uh, job, Michael. We can really make it happen. The theme song was... We got some other interesting interesting ones in the future to try out. I'm excited about. Oh, man, I'm excited. Got to cap that. But now we're going to move on to the meat of the episode. Uh, So first we can introduce our guest a little more fully. This... Is the Peter, a.k.a. Yep. Pedro. <laughs> Hello. The man. He I is. am Pedro. So <laughs> when yep. when did you first, when did you do your DTS? How about that? That's a good question. I did my DTS back in 2003 in the fall. Was here that at, here? Here yeah. at Youth of the Mission, Nashville. Right on. My wife and I came a year married, so we were unique to our general populace of the school where we had two families. Actually, we had one couple that was about 20 years older than us. And we had a family with six kids. And then there was about 45 other single DTSers that were 18 to 25, mm. 23. So it was quite the crew. Yeah. Right on. What's life looking for you here right now, Peter? <clears throat> well, that's a good question, Cody. I've <laughs> navigated anything from trailblazing to accounting to just different projects that we're working on working on and just working with a couple of esteemed fellows in leadership i'm blessed to have a really great group of guys and gals to yeah just navigate life in america or during covid and during um you know different things that come up um, with different situations our way Trying to keep the campus running. Right on. 
yeah. So he's been just going after Jesus, and I just want to note the there's a lot of experience there, you know, like a lot of journey, um, more than Cody and I for sure. <laughs> but uh, you're also like you said, you are a dad and a husband, um, and so that has all its own experiences. I've been known, known to make a few dad jokes myself, Cody. <laughs> so <laughs> if I you have one, I appreciate the. Um, the inspiration in that's that. That's great. <laughs> nice. Do you have one? No? It's that on the spotness, just choking it down. <laughs> Why is it that when someone asks those questions, you come up with like the worst one? That if you had time <laughs> <know>. to think, <laughs> it's like, what do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. <laughs> I mean, it's better than mine. I came up with what is black and white and red all over the newspaper. Or a penguin. Uh, not even a bread. joke. I, I've never heard that one, though. <laughs> yeah. Was, I think it's an oldie but goodie. Like, was, I think I've a even, good one. Yeah, I've even read it. <laughs> so there's my... Wow. There it is. Or a skunk Bonus. who's blushing. The representative dad joke. Yeah. It's Pedro. It's, so it's all right. I mean, the point of a dad joke is that everybody's heard it, and it's so old that <laughs> and they you slap like, roll their your faces. eyes back into your skull. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a good source, if you're looking for other sources of where to find these, is... Those little um, Laffy Taffies. They always had oh, yeah. the cheesiest jokes in those things. Yeah, I'm like, yeah they're just getting worse and worse by the day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so as also mentioned, Peter is on our leadership team and has just been like faithfully serving in these different ways as well as in his home life. And so, uh, I don't know, I was just excited to have you on the podcast and talk about literally anything because I'm like, oh, this guy. Like has been to the places, done the things, and like I feel like there's just a wealth of, of experience and wisdom, and you know maybe like maybe you don't feel that way, <laughs> no. <laughs> but like that's you know how I see you, and knowing that you've been around for longer, and like all these different things. So, um, especially on this topic, I was like excited when we felt like this is what the Lord was saying, because I was like I think that Peter has things to say here so yeah talking about fundraising it's always better if you have like experience with fundraising you know so yeah so i thought it'd be good if we just started off with like talking about what does jesus actually say about finances Hmm. so you got any uh off the top of your head kind of thing off the top of my head good nuggets (laughs) i feel like he says to not love them (laughs) yeah in a sense of you know the the idea of like the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil Yep, uh, is never too far from us in our focus. You know, we don't yeah. want to focus on money, but when we raise support to live on, in fact, every time we have a speaker come through that would be focusing on the topic of finances, it feels like we all of a sudden think Holy spirit left and we have to get practical yeah. and, take these steps yeah. and then we cheapen what missions is because we're talking about money, but it's, it's, it's that false understanding of say sacred secular yeah. and that idea that God isn't concerned with the practical things of life. Mm-hmm. Of course we don't think that consciously, but the way that we yeah. just take on different topics within Christianity or within missions, all of a sudden is like, well, that's that's that little box over here. 
yeah. that I don't really like to dabble in much except mm-hmm. when I have to. Yeah. But it's a <laughs> practical aspect of our lives. So, yeah. And that, I mean, kind of comes back to, I think, uh, like within, I, I'm not sure without having like sat down and really thought about it is probably a Western culture thing, but I've seen that in church culture where like we view God as like not very practical and kind of distant and like vague and floaty and, uh, <laughs> you know, but then like in reality, like God is way, way more concerned with the practical than we are. And like is actually by definition, the most practical in of himself. Like he made the things work and he functioned, you know? And so like, I don't know, I basically, as I'm reading through the Bible and slash getting to know the Lord within that and like just in prayer and different things, I'm like, Oh Jesus, you care so much more about practicality than even I do, you know? So the other verse that comes, comes to mind often that we talk about within fundraising anyway, um, is a reference uh, really the almost all of first Corinthians chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the part where it starts where it says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's, when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It is written for our sake, declares Paul, <laughs> because the plowman should plow in hope that the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. Because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. Mm. If we have sown spiritually things among you, is it too much to reap material things from you? Yeah. And the idea of this is our jobs, this is our life, and we have the privilege of doing it. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, we're not doing what your typical folks do in the nine to five job. And neither are necessarily more important than the other but in the context of saying we're going to lay down what is typically done for the sake of doing what we feel like god is saying to do within the context of youth with a mission and so that takes our 40 hour week where you'd normally be earning yeah i also think of uh this verse in luke 10 which is such a good chapter but uh jesus tells them is sending out the 70 Anyways, uh, he's sending him out and he's like, carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. And then tells him to go like stay with people and stuff. Um, then he says, stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so I just think that's really interesting because he's like, even this stuff you like do have, like, leave it. And one of the other versions, he's like, don't take an extra cloak. Don't take a walking stick. Like, he's like, this is one of the first times he sends them out, if mm-hmm. not the first time. And he's establishing this idea of, like, you are rooted in me. I am your provider. This is what it is. And so, like, even the things that you could take, that it would make sense to take, leave it behind. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I am your final, like, say and provision, you know? And so, I don't know. It's just this interesting thing of, like, Jesus is, like, condoning this, like, relying on the people. And I think that there's a thousand reasons for that. There's a thousand ways that I could, like, justify that as far as strategy and in missions and stuff. But point being, Jesus condones this. So, yep. 
And just to throw up a few more verses about finances in general um, that you can go look up if you want to while we're talking about it. I think of uh, when Jesus is talking about the widow who gives like a tiny amount, like less than a penny, <laughs> and that's like all she has. And then the Pharisees come in and they make, give this big extravagant gift and they make a big deal about it. And Jesus is like, who gave more? And, um, you know, he just values, like, her giving sacrificially, even though it didn't have much value in the eyes of the world. Um, Jesus has a different value system than we do. And um, to him, it's more about the heart than it is the actual amounts or anything like that. And then there's also a time when he says... No man can serve two masters. Either six. he will hate the one and love the other or hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Mm. And um, kind of, he's just saying like, I should be in charge of your finances, not your finances should be in charge of me and you should filter what I tell you to do through how much money you have. Mm. It should be the other way around. And... Um, And then we just see God providing for Jesus even whenever they're like, time to pay taxes. And he's like, well, actually, I'm Jesus and I don't have to pay taxes, but go and go fishing and the next fish you catch will have a coin in it and you can go and pay taxes for you and me. And then yeah. his disciples go and do that. But um, so there's just a few. I had another one in mind. A lot of people. Rich young ruler. What? Oh, yeah, there's the rich young ruler comes to jesus he's like i've done it. he says what must i do to inherit eternal inherit life? eternal life that's what he says and jesus is like well obey all the commandments and he's like i have i've done them all and jesus is like you're right now go and sell everything you have and follow me and you'll be complete and the guy's like ah and he walks away sad because he had a lot of money and um i don't think Jesus is telling all of us to sell everything we own. I definitely think he would tell you to sell everything you own. But again, it's out of intimacy. And this guy specifically, he did ask him to go and sell everything that he owned and follow after Jesus. And the guy didn't want to. Even though he was clearly righteous by the world's standards, Jesus cares about the heart again. And um, True that. there's just a few verses to kind of highlight Jesus talking about the heart being more important than physical things and finances should be subject to your relationship and intimacy with Jesus and what he tells you to do in person and from a place of intimacy and just obedience, you know, loving obedience. Yeah, I feel like obedience is key. I would have, when I first came back on staff and people at home would be like, why don't you get a regular job? And I would try to like explain them some different things that we'll probably talk about, but, um, which I think, I think is fine. Like it's fine to have reasoning for these different things, but ultimately what it came down to is like, this is what Jesus is calling me to do. I don't know all the reasons. Like I know some, but like ultimately what is Jesus telling me to do? This is it. You just have to accept it, you know? And so, like, it doesn't have to make sense to you, the person asking me the question. It doesn't have to make sense to me, even being the one that's here. But obedience based out of intimacy, you know? So. Well, a lot of times that's 
it stems from family who, you know, they, a lot of people value in this country, the idea of hard work and therefore it's perceived as, well, you're not working hard if you're asking others for money, but it goes back to what Paul says in first Corinthians nine. And really the whole chapter talks about that. Like don't soldiers get their wages paid, you know, and different things. So in saying that we want to work hard is, as you referenced before, something that we are fully doing. It's just in the context of not an hourly wage or a salary you're given. And, you know, we had to walk through that with family members who, of course, we want to make proud. We want to do and walk out what they've instilled in us and you know, with love in their hearts say, but this is how we taught you to live. Like yeah, work your way, earn your way. This is the mm-hmm. American dream in a sense. And so we, in a sense are saying, yes, we agree with you. We're not trying to say that was wrong in any way, shape or form, but we are saying we're going to lay down the American dream. And if God wants to give it back to us in, you know, a house vehicles, stuff, etc. You know, I've succeeded in the eyes of success of what society would say that looks like. Okay. And you can do that within missions, yeah. but it looks differently. Yeah. It comes from a different place of what we keep talking back to obedience. What is God asking us to do? Yeah. What is God saying for you to do? Mm-hmm. And I think the verse where Paul talks about working as if for the Lord and not for men, Mm-hmm. really comes into play there and like yeah um just in trying to honestly walk out what we feel like the lord's been calling us to do is just the like natural direction for that for each of us you know and so when god calls god provides <laughs> it looks different depending on like how he calls you and like what he asks you to do within that but um so for us hard work looks like being obedient to what the Lord's called us to and doing it with all our hearts and not, not, um, not half-heartedly. Yeah. I don't think the 70 that he went, that he sent out, you know, to two by two went out and hung out for a while and didn't really, (laughs) uh, do any sort of actual activity. Yeah. Yeah. So how does the New Testament church model material possessions and finances? Well, in my experience, most people reference Acts and talk about when the New Testament church, after Peter preached and 3,000 came to know God, obviously, how do you manage all of a sudden a whole new community that you've more or less created? Yeah. Like that in a, in a snap. And so, and this may be a soapbox, but what people I see can do with scripture is make it prescriptive instead of descriptive. And so acts is a historical narrative written for the sake of expressing how the gospel spread throughout the world Mm. by Luke to Theophilus. And so that being said, One thing we see done in the New Testament church is gathering all that you have, basically giving your all 
and saying, God, what do you want to do with this? And how do I live in community together with what I have, what you have, you know, what Cody has, what Michael has, what each of our families have? How do we do that in a way that honors you and we all survive? We all do Mm -hmm. okay. We all make it happen. Um, And I suppose I jumped on that soapbox real quick because a lot of times when it's referenced, I feel like people are saying, you know, none of us are doing it right because none of us are living like they did in Acts. And while that is an example of how you could do it, it's not prescriptive. It wasn't instructed. This is how you should live. Step one, sell all your stuff. Step two, yeah. give to the yeah, exactly. you know, community. And if you hold anything back, you're going to get struck down. And yeah. step three. That's good. So for me, that usually kind of bridges into the idea of tithing and what that looks like for a lot of people and the idea of being able to have the mindset of really giving it all to the Lord and he allows what you keep to keep and he allows what you Mm -hmm. give to give versus like a certain percentage. Yeah. But he's very gracious with us and says, whatever you can believe me for, Mm. you know, when it comes to if you've committed to me 10%, then make that your line. If you've considered committed to me all that you have, then don't be, you know, rebellious when I say give this and don't, you don't. That's sin because it's not the faith you committed with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when he's talking about the parable of the sower in Mark. And he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Mm. And he's talking about in that context giving of yourself to further the kingdom. But I think it applies as well to like how much you're willing to trust him with your finances. Like people who I've heard who've gone like totally all out with their finances have never been left hanging and have even seen like more blessing as a result of trusting God even more. Not to, not to make like a system out of it, but there's just, yeah, this general idea of like, the more you're willing to trust God, the more he's like willing to bless you in it. And like, you know, you're allowed to hold back, but you know, you're kind of setting for yourself the standard, not to say that he can't, (laughs) not to say that he's not gracious and can't bless you beyond what you've been willing to part with, but he just wants our hearts to be good. And I think to directly answer your question, summation of it would be basically possessions are not the focus yeah finances aren't to be valued higher than what i'm calling you to the gist of it being you have a call in your lives and that's it (laughs) and like if you're gonna reference uh finances as some hindering point uh, when you see it in scripture it's basically like don't love it and give it up just felt to also, as we finish talking about scripture directly and move on to the next question, go check out for yourself and find out what scriptures say about finances and um, really just wrestle with this because this is a huge issue and it can easily ensnare well-meaning uh, followers of Jesus and like just chain them down. So don't also, I think part of my heart and like not, I could just as easily go and find all the references for these scriptures that I'm talking about. But there is also the fact of like, I want you to go and find it for yourself and be like, Oh, there it is. Yep. It says that, or 
he was slightly off here or something, you know, like this podcast shouldn't be your source of scripture. Huh. Scripture True should that. be your source of scripture. True that. So yeah, it's not like I'm being flippant. We just, sometimes we'll read it. Sometimes we'll reference it. Yeah. You go read it though. Yeah. Cause it's real. good. Because right. a lot of times the context of it too is more powerful. Anyways. Yeah, for you go real. read all the First Timothy six. It's like, golly gee. So, anyways, so could you tell us a little bit about YWAM's financial structure and just the way we do things, Peter? In case we haven't already covered it. <laughs> well, YWAM is broad structured and decentralized, which means each base is autonomous. And therefore, each base is responsible for their own finances. Yep. And basically, not only the campus itself, but each individual within Youth with a Mission is responsible for raising their own their own finances. And that typically comes from friends, family, and other and churches that believe in the call of on our lives to operate within Youth with a Mission to go and reach the unreached, whether it's in this country or abroad, generally with the idea of having this as our only source of income. That, of course, you can supplement mm -hmm. in ways that God says it's okay to. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Thanks, and Peter. I also wanted to note that, like, nobody in YWAM gets paid by YWAM, like, and that yeah, has true. been like a big emphasis I've seen, like specifically even like Lauren Cunningham, like the founder of the thing and like his like circle of people they don't get a penny from yeah. the organization. And he said that when I went to a conference called the DNA conference, mm. which was done for the sake of uh, seeing patterns of the third generations of organizations end up veering off from what the first generation had intended. And so they're, kind of traveling as an uh, older couple with original YWAMers back from the 60s and 70s, traveling and speaking to say, hey, this is, let's keep our core. This is what we're about. Make yeah. sure third generation, you're hearing what the first generation had intended at, from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so that really comes with the idea of when it, when regarding finances, uh, initially they wouldn't even ask for until like the 70s they weren't even asking people for support at all. Like as a direct thing, it was simply be dependent on God, which is like yeah. our value 16. Yeah. The idea of God is our source and he will provide. Yeah. And nothing necessarily shift in our trust of that. It was almost more like a release of, okay. And you can ask people, okay. Mm -hmm. You can ask the church. Okay. You can ask your friends. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we've heard stories from George Mueller to, you know, feeding George Mueller feeding orphans in England and never asking for a dime. And yet he could feed tens of thousands or. Yeah, it's insane. You know, thousands of orphans. Yeah. So when it comes to how we where Michael was saying, the idea of not paying our staff is we also don't dictate where they go. Mm -hmm. You're not assigned yeah. to a nation. You're not yeah. assigned to a people group. You're not assigned. You're not assigned in general. Um, it's very, yeah. you hear from God. We'll pray for you to hear from God. 
will maybe confirm that, you know, as mm-hmm. you're getting ready to maybe go to a different nation. Yeah. But the idea is you hear from God and you do what he says, and we're here to support and bless, encourage and disciple that. And so if you're able to, you know, and a lot of questions, there's a lot of dreamers in YWAM, you know, and, and yeah. anywhere, I don't mean that as a negative, I mean, in a good way. And there's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of freedom. Um, and the follow-up question to, but I want to do this. Well, how? How has God shown you he's going to fund that? How has God shown you he's, because you know why Wham isn't going to pay for it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's not, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We're not saying, okay, well, I pay you 40 grand a year, Mike. You got to go to Timbuktu <laughs> and I'm, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm Otherwise, not paying you're fired. you to do ministry to orphans. <laughs> I'm paying you to feed the elderly, you know? Yeah. Right. Stop. You're going <laughs> off track here. Stay yeah. on track. Yeah. And for some reason, this is missed quite often to, people because it doesn't fit in a box of culture like you had mentioned before Mm -hmm. that there isn't really a box for this and so i literally had someone ask me recently who supported us in kind of our round one before we stepped out to take care of family and it wasn't until maybe last year they're like wait a minute ywam doesn't pay you at all you know and i was thinking well then what were we communicating all of these years and so that's not to make the person look silly it's more we're still not communicating this right yeah the 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 job that we do is our provision mm-hmm. only it's yeah. what god has called us to it is support based we are not paid by ywam mm-hmm. just to make it clear as you said yeah yeah and i think uh something that strikes me as funny on like a logical level that often people even have a problem with it because you're willing to go to mcdonald's and support their company in making this cruddy cheeseburger. Like, that's what you're paying them to do. To have a company that results in making fast food that is terrible for you. Or, you're going to pay people to go raise up missionaries, disciple people, and spread the gospel all over the world and support in a sense, that company sort of kind of not exactly, but like you're paying the workers salaries the same as you in a sense do at a restaurant for spreading the gospel. Like, I don't, I don't understand like why there's a disconnect there. You don't get a cruddy cheeseburger out of the deal. I'll make you a cruddy cheeseburger if you want. Like (laughs) I'll go buy a frozen patty and give it to you, you know? But I don't know. So there's this like weird disconnect that often happens that I'm I'm confused about on a logical level, but where it's like somehow, even from a Christian standpoint, sharing the gospel is like not a valid thing. And it even shows in like one of our uh, older staff members here shares a lot about how like less than, what is it, less than like 1% of church finances in like western culture goes to missions like people spend more money on t-shirts for their youth group than they do in missions and sending missionaries or like there was this statistic that more money is embezzled from the church than is given to missions like i don't understand like jesus gave like a handful of like direct commandments and making disciples of all nations was one of them and f- I don't know, for some reason there's been this disconnect, which is interesting, but any thoughts? 
as you've navigated a lot of these conversations and things probably more than I have. Yeah, I was trying to decide where in the segment to talk about it, I suppose. But I was literally this last week thinking about anything from whatever you're I don't want to say the word vice, but whatever you like to do often, whether it's go to Starbucks and get a coffee, whether it's to buy a candy bar, whether it's to you fill in the blank, energy drinks, etc. And how often do you do that? And then what does that cost? And, you know, let's say, for example, the average person probably gets a cup of coffee somewhere on their way to work every day. That cup of coffee probably costs anywhere from two to five dollars, depending on. If you like the black cup of Joe or if you like more of like a Frappuccino type fru idea. Fru. <laughs> yeah. I almost said that. <laughs> fru- I like fruit fru- 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 drink. Hazelnut mocha. There's no shame in a fruit fru- drink. <laughs> and so the idea of spending that three to five, two to five dollars a day, you know, and you start multiplying that out to let's go with the conservative value of two dollars a day, sixty dollars a month. And multiply it out times 12 and you're at $720 a year, is it? Yeah. And so, wow, seven, I could use $720 a year, you know, as far as like someone supporting me. That's 60 bucks a month. That's a, that's a solid supporter. Yeah. You know, that's someone, I mean, obviously I'd like you to partner it with praying for our family and the mission of God to share his truth throughout the earth. But when you break it down to that level, um, maybe you could give up even a cup of coffee a week yeah, and give somebody 20 bucks a month. Um, or, and in fact, when I, we were talking about earlier, some tools to fundraising. One of the things that I was first shown when I was contemplating in another missions organization, when we were still in that deciding stage, they would, kind of open up their little photo book of their history and say, now for a dollar to two to three dollars a day, you could support this work, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, that seems so little. And I was like, three dollars a day, that's like a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. And that doesn't seem like a lot of money. Yeah. And so, like I said before, we went with the conservative value, you know, yeah. but you add up, you add up that by the, the five dollar end of like what you could give a day. You know, and you're getting into a pretty significant amount of money mm-hmm. that go is going to missions, you know. And yeah. so and a lot of times we end up being conduits for other people to get blessed, you know, whether it's our fellow missionary here, <laughs> whether it's a national that believer in another nation where there aren't people who would support them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know we as much as anybody else are obedient to the sacrifice, obedient to what God has called us to. And so that could look the same for us, you know, and hopefully all of us are either consistently or every so often supporting other missionaries within our organization. That's a call on us as well. So it's not just like, well, we've hit this tier of the church and therefore, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess we could be like the Levites, you know, or like they don't have any land and they rely on everybody's tithe. <laughs> yep. yeah. Um, that'll work <laughs> yeah. know, if you yeah. want to bring it into the but storehouse, but whatever spreads the gospel. I mean, you put it that way, Peter. I've got, I've got a daily cup of Starbucks from five different people, and I'm fully funded and can support another missionary myself. Yeah, like fifty a month or something. You know, 
So find five people that are giving up drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. And want to give up coffee for the gospel? Yeah. <laughs> That's convicting, real, really. <laughs> and I might, I'll just fit it in here for the sake of cultural norms and expectations. Going back to the tithe idea, um, when we had first come in to marriage, my wife and I, when we first got married, uh, she had some debt bringing into the into the marriage from college loans and different things. And so we felt like she wasn't really tithing because she was already part of a ministry and giving here and there throughout of it. And I didn't know anything different than the idea of 10%. And so that's what I brought to the marriage. And I was like, we're just going to do what God said. And what I thought God said at the time was, 10% is what you do. And yeah. I didn't even know it was called a tithe, yeah. you know, necessarily. I just remember that's what I was taught. And so that's what I was like, that's what we're going to do. And yeah. so we were probably, I don't know, six to $9,000 in debt. And within six months, we were out of debt. That's not because I was making a bunch of money. I would attribute it as a testimony to God saying, you did what you would trust me for. 10% was what your line was. I gave you the grace to be able to operate in that. Mm -hmm. And there is no logical reason that to, that a couple who probably made 18,000 a year with $6,000 in debt or not, I can't remember if six or nine was able to pay it off in six months. Yeah. It was just a shift of what is ours and what is God's. Now, again, I think all of it's God's, but at the time I was, a fair, we were both fairly new believers and again, didn't really know what the word tithe meant. Just knew this 10% idea. And I, I know that could cause some stirring in many people listening because 10% is still a cultural norm. But, you know, ask God, is this still something that is brought through to the New Testament that yeah. you want me to operate in? Or is it yeah. something different? There is a biblical basis for 10%. Absolutely. But in the Old Testament. But, yeah, it's in the Old Testament. But I'm just saying, like, that's a it's a good starting point. But, again, absolutely. intimacy. Absolutely. That's what Peter's saying. Like, hey. what's Jesus saying to you? All right, so moving on to the next question. Is there a... So what kind of impact has fundraising and living off of support had for you and your support network and your family? Like, how has that been relationally throughout the years? Yeah, so initially... One side of the family, one side of the family has been quite supportive and the other side of the family has been a little more along the work, you know, you guys should work. And yep. so navigating that has been mildly hurtful and challenging over the years, to yep. be honest, and still really is after all these years, because, you know, when it comes to family, um, it's like you could share the gospel with Joe Schmo and I don't know why I keep saying Timbuktu, but then, then <laughs> can you share the gospel with your, your uncle, you know, or can you, you can ask Bill, Bob the builder for support, but can you ask yeah. your sister, you know? And mm -hmm. so for whatever reason, when it's close to home and the people who really know you, you doubt yourself. You can tend to doubt yourself more and they can tend to doubt you more because they know the old you or they know, 
tendencies. They know the times when you're off, you may seem lazy, but the journey it's taken us all on is to trust God for our provision simplistically as an answer. And the idea of somebody saying, I'm not going to work, trusting God for the provision and seeing him provide blows our minds and, yeah. and it blows up cultural norm. Yeah. It's so counterculture cultural to not only what the church believes, but what America believes. Yeah. And therefore it's such a testimony mm -hmm. to how God operates. And when you're willing to say yes to the Lord, like you said earlier, you know, he, he will provide. It may not always look like you hope it did. You know, you may not always have a vehicle that runs every day. You know, you yeah. may not always have the money to go out for a nice meal, but he provides. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I have a family of five. I've been doing this quite a while and we're okay. And we've, we've gone through seasons where I can literally remember living in this apartment and, uh, not even having enough for like our next, you know, payment of whatever it was. It was down yeah. to like 15 bucks yeah. and we needed 200 and somebody who had never given us to us in the years we had been in YWAM already sent us a $200 check wow. out of nowhere. Yeah. Somebody, I don't even remember asking. They just heard us share at their church once and out of nowhere, they felt to, to give because they were obedient. Mm -hmm. They heard the Lord say, I want you to give to these guys. And they've done it ever since, like here and there, all of a sudden, you know, and, and they're, they're just, they listen to God's voice and do what he says with their finances. And so, um, I've had many people say, you know, I pray for you every day. And that is, come on, that makes me want to cry. Like, that's such a blessing to know that not only am I trying to navigate this life in missions, uh, stateside and overseas, but that I have someone who's lifting us up in prayer and they're saying like, you're at the forefront of our minds and we're lifting you to God, even if it's for 10 seconds a day, like God bless Peter and the kids and the family, you know, his wife, <laughs> let them be, you know, cared for and safe. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Amen. I mean, just enough to know that because the other side of it is you can just get a paycheck in a sense mm -hmm. from someone who has a, an auto draft and it's not a shame thing. It's a, I'm not going to remember otherwise, yeah. but when you write that check or when you're able to do something that reminds you every month of that person of us, um, that's also helpful when it mm -hmm. becomes more personal. We're called to relationship based support, not yeah. just to find people who will give us money. Yeah. And so part of it, that's been really important for my wife and I over the years, and she's so much better communication wise at this is how are you doing Mr. Su Mr. or Mrs. Supporter? How's your family going? How can we be praying for you? Mm -hmm. And it becomes a reciprocity of prayer, of relationship, of getting to know one another and having people that you're building together for a real team. Kind of like we've talked about in the past. I've heard you guys reference in the past of like a military base, sending someone out, you know, I think one of your, folks said the Gulf War, there was a hundred people at the home base to send one soldier out. Mm. It's, it's that same idea at a YWAM campus. It's that same idea for parts of the body of the church to yeah. say, we're going to rally around you and we're going to support what you do. We're going to pray for you and we're going to see you be effective in the nations. Cause I can't go yeah. or I'm not supposed to go. I'm mm -hmm. supposed to do this job. I'm supposed to do this, this work. 
And so, man, yes, there's the support. Yes, there's the financial. And, but if I'm real about it, like it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, they're praying for you. Or, yeah, I'm praying for you. But, man, that is that is life or death Yeah, in so sure. many people's circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can definitely be a hard thing on the relational front. I don't know. It's caused lots of fun conversations uh, with my wife and I with um, just various people over the last few years. And it can be a hard thing. But like I was saying earlier, like it's just got to come back to that obedience, you know, and it's got to come back to that willingness to give up everything, even even watching people be frustrated and walk away or not want anything to do with you or like maybe the relationship isn't as good as it would be given I was doing the normal thing because they don't like what I'm doing but my like favorite favorite thing about this thing is and this isn't like an in your face kind of thing it's like I come back to like Jesus I'm stepping out in this way I'm giving up like things that culture says I'm entitled to and then, like, when he meets you there, like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but, like, like there's not a greater anything than that, you know, mm. when you, like, step out into some scary place that the Lord is calling you to, and you're, like, though none go with me, still I will follow. Mm. And Jesus meets you there. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I'm going with you. Like, that's what this is, you know? And so, like, People told me all the time, well, you can't do that. That's not what God wants. He's doing it. I can't even tell you how specifically God has given me. And we'll get to some testimonies later, but I know so many people here at the base or who have come through who have just such crazy specific thing, things and testimonies of like the Lord providing. And it's like so unquestionably the Lord that it's ridiculous. You know, like a check comes in the mail that you don't expect that's like from somebody that's not a normal person to give. And, you know, like you didn't ask them or anything, you know, not that it's bad to ask and stuff. And a lot of times you do, but like God is just so good and faithful. So don't tell me that God doesn't want to do this because he's doing it, you know. And so like that's ultimately what I come back to. And so I think for you know the naysayers out there oftentimes it's just like i mean you can say this isn't what i should be doing you should you can say that that's not god's will but he's doing it so you you have to reconcile the reality of god being who he is and being the provider with what your perspective of him is you know so that being said i'm about to cry over here so <laughs> well in in an area of it that is really challenging and it may be something you may or may not want to include. So an area of it that is actually fairly challenging is the communication side of things and what you can, what the enemy can do to us in the process of mm -hmm. fundraising when it comes to our self-worth, when yeah. it comes to the actual call on our lives. Is it valuable? Is it real? Mm -hmm. Why, God, am I called to something so countercultural? Why... Do I have to humble myself to ask for money for my family from another person who's struggling to make money for their family? Yeah. Why do I have to? Or, and then the idea of like communicating 
How many times do you send a text out and you don't get a response? How many times do you yeah. send, leave a message for somebody, an email, a Facebook, you know, all the different ways of communication and hear nothing back. You're ghosted as some would say, yeah. like that's can be so hurtful because you're like, I thought we had friendship. I thought we had a relationship. It's even happened to me with former YWAMers yeah. that I'm like, you know what this is like. Yeah. How can you just ignore me? Like, how can you just not get back to me? Yeah. Or, it's not even not saying no. It's like they don't say anything. <laughs> and so the challenge within all of this is still knowing who we are to God, yeah. still knowing the call that he said we have on our lives and still being willing through all of that personal rejection mm -hmm to go be rejected for the sake of the gospel. You know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, yeah. they are one and the same, but it's a completely different type of rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll definitely weed out any insecurity you have. And, yeah. Um, I can't tell you how much time I spent being bitter about those things. And like, yeah, I'm glad you moved on from that place. <laughs> yeah. Me too. For your own sake. It's still happening. It's a process, but <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you're not content with it now. Yeah. True that. And, uh, yeah, it's great to learn to be dependent on the Lord. Like, we don't have a choice to not be dependent on the Lord financially in our line of work, at least here, you know. So, right on. Thanks, guys, for sharing. I haven't been on staff as long and um, still working on my support network. But, yeah. Me too. Yeah. But um, it doesn't end. The Lord's provided, like, outside of that even in like crazy and specific and great ways. I'm looking at you government check. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. So the next question is, um, what kind of tips would you guys give to someone listening right now? Who's starting out in support raising, um, like maybe a DTS student who's applying for a fall school or something, you know, I mean, I'm old school, so, you know, I'm in my 40s. I've been doing, you know, I started this in the time where most of us might have had a laptop. Most of us had a little flip phone. So the ways and the accessibility. To Some of us had pull-ups. <laughs> Pull-up diapers on. Um, yeah, so I'm still, f I've actually been trying to not do this as much, but I think it's maybe to our detriment still because... A lot of our supporters are still a generation older than me. And so they like the handheld newsletter. You know, I want to yeah. see what you're doing. I want to put it on my stack of what bills to pay. I want to put it on my refrigerator to know I can see you every day and pray for you when I get my creamer for my coffee. You know, those kind of things. But we've gotten a lot weaker in that. So that's a long way of saying it may not still be a bad idea to do a basic newsletter. Mm -hmm. I think my first one before I was my first mission trips w was to the Philippines before I was in YWAM and I just put a little picture of me in the top corner on my word document and then did a couple paragraphs and a whatever at the end. Yeah. Um, so just getting something in people's hands is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this at this day and age, adding a QR code, of, uh, you know, is helpful uh, a website if you've created a blog or or you know the of the missions organization you're coming to wildnational.org plug plug um <laughs> if you have uh social networking as your main way of communicating which is probably most at this point 
you know, obviously just getting out there, you have so many options to do fundraisers through Facebook, uh, GoFundMe, things like that. Um, if you, some, you know, very practical things are just a snippet, small little blurb, um, that you either speak on or say just about what is YWAM, what is a DTS and why I should go, you know, and yeah. some basic communication, get up in front of your church. I mean, especially if you're 18, stepping in front of your church and people see, you know, the young and fiery eyed ready to go off and to try something radical and different than yeah. I'm just going into the next step of what everybody else does. Mm -hmm. People get behind that and you will be supported even if you don't think you should be. And so I think more than anything else is know who you are, know who God is yeah. and, uh, take a, take a risk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, really some practical tips I would give. I do do quarterly newsletters. Some people do monthly newsletters. I hate writing newsletters. <laughs> I love the people I'm writing them to though. So that's why I do them. But, um, so I do one every three months and I use Canva. It's a website you can use. It's free. They have like things they'll charge you for on there, but you can avoid those. Um, and and still it, get you can get like really professional looking stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that's nice. They don't sponsor us or anything. <laughs> it just is legitimately helpful. But and if they want to, if they wanted to, <laughs> we would have to change everything. But anyways, <laughs> uh, for like envelopes, if you're gonna be doing this long term, I would say get like a stamp that has your address and your name on it and just it saves yep. you like literally so half time. an hour to an hour um Every per 50. envelope <laughs> per uh, <laughs> batch of newsletters you know and but it's still like, handwrite the address of the person you're sending yes. it to yeah and yes. i usually try to add like i either signing it is like the least i will do signing my newsletters but i also like to um try to put like a short personal note if it's somebody I have a really good relationship with, I'll like write a letter actually on the back of it. It just yeah. depends on like what I feel like the Lord's asking me to do in that particular um, season. But so yeah, those are some ideas you can do. Um, adding little things that are kind of like part of your life. Like if you go overseas, maybe getting like um, a little trinket. Yeah, like I don't know a shell, some stickers that are like native to the country, you know, something fun that it's like, Hey, I was overseas. You sent me here. You know, I was thinking about you, mm -hmm. something like that. Just a little souvenir or, you know, what, whatever you want to do to be creative. <laughs> and, uh, I use MailChimp for my email supporters. That's a website where you can sign up and you just make one email and then, uh, you have this list of people that it goes out to and you just press send and it automatically sends that email to all of the people on that list. And it also has lots of cool features that help it look really professional and like clean and fun. So I would recommend that as well. If you have people who prefer email. Um, so yeah, those are kind of centered around newsletters, but uh, a few books that I would recommend if you're looking for some literature on fundraising. There's a uh, friend raising. It's super good. There's another one called the God ask. I don't remember who writes that one either, 
it's been recommended to me by several people and I own it. I just have a huge backlog of books <laughs> and listening to other podcasts like this one. If you can find any on like fundraising, support raising, being relational, like valuing people in the process, things like that. Uh, yeah. You know, just seeing what's out there. So there are resources you can find and it's not really hard. It just takes effort, you know? I think thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you is really important. <laughs> Thanking people uh, consistently. I mean, obviously, it comes out of a thankful heart, hopefully. Yeah. But once you start doing it for a while, it is easy to become ungrateful or you kind of get a rights mentality yeah. of like, oh, I have the right to be supported. So we're aware of that, too. God is very faithful to keep us humble and reveal ugliness in our hearts and in fact on that note we had one supporter who was giving significant amount of support to us and something came up where we asked them for more because of something we had to do that was larger whether it was get a vehicle yeah or we needed to i don't know but they kind of ghosted us, as I said earlier, and it came through one of their family members like, hey, they're kind of upset at you guys. And so we finally just got together and we're like, is everything OK? They're like, honestly, we just kept hearing more, more, more. We just want you just want more, more, more. And I don't know if they just didn't. I think they actually didn't get a few of our thank you letters or notes or maybe they got lost in the mail or lost in the shuffle. Cause I know we try to make it a pretty good pattern of making sure we're indicating thankfulness, but they were hurt and they were, they showed us that through their pocketbook and they were like, that's not okay. You know? And we're like, yeah, you're right. It's not okay. And the last thing we'd want you to feel is somehow we've deserved this from you or we've earned it from you per se. And we are thankful and we're so, you know, it was actually a really good opportunity for reconciliation anywhere there was yeah. hurt, you know, and it's like, that's so not our heart. Our heart is, is to be grateful for what you've done and yeah. you guys have been so generous. And so, um, there is, there is that, the idea yeah. of being thankful and sending out thank yous and yeah. keeping a list of those who have given and making sure that they know you've gotten it and that you're thankful. So practical tips, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's Matthew six. It like for me, I don't know. I've just found that as I've been like actually being with the Lord more and seeking the Lord more that like the doors are opening and there's still like steps of obedience to like walk through in that a lot of times, sometimes not, sometimes it is really random, but anyways, like point is you're seeking first you're not being worried like jesus that's a command like do not worry about what you will eat or drink what you will wear so on so forth so like don't be worried be with jesus trust have faith that he if he's calling you to it that he is going to provide in some way shape or form often doesn't look like what we want it to look like often the timing isn't what we would prefer he's going to do whatever is the best for building our faith and trust in him because he's way more concerned about the relationship with you and him and your faith levels in him than he is like 
is that bill going to get paid or not? You know, like he's on like this yeah. whole different playing field. So, so as long, along with all those practical tips, which I follow all of them, my wife and I do those, but just like got to seek first and get his heart for it. A lot of times you'll be like, you'll come up with this like crazy strategy for reaching people. And he's like, why don't you just call your grandma or something? You know, like however that goes, I don't know. You're like, God, no, (laughs) anyone but grandma. (laughs) We haven't talked in eight years. Yeah. Cody doesn't mean that grandma. uh, Yeah. (laughs) No, I love you, grandma. I know you're also not listening because you don't have Wi-Fi. (laughs) I love you anyways. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you ever go back nor pod bean nor YouTube. <laughs> uh. so yep oh my gosh that's, that's just what i would say as far as practical <laughs> it's more practical tips all right maybe it'd be also helpful to say budget to some extent oh yeah yeah, yeah. so you know what you're actually raising towards if it's simply your discipleship training school costs three thousand five hundred and ninety dollars you know what your budget is that's going to cover everything you need while you're here might be good to have a little weekend spending money if you decide to go out with your fellow classmates to dollar general or or, (laughs) you know or stewards for some burgers or something like that but uh, some local joints Uh, and then um, above and beyond that when you step into missions as a full-time way of raising support and whatnot it's good to have a budget it's good to have a practical budget and then kind of a dream budget not in the sense that you're dreaming to be rich but that most of us unfortunately survive on a skeleton budget of i can eat i can i have a place a roof over my head i can pay for some insurance but i can't really go on the next mission trip that I want to go on unless I like last minute raise a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, there's not like enough of us that have our daily budget or monthly budget set. And then I'm at a hundred percent fully funded. So I can also be saving up for this trip next year that I'm going to know I'm going to go on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not ideal, but it just is where we're all at. And again, it goes, I don't want to take anything away from God in that he provides when he decides. And yeah. sometimes that is most of the time it seems to be fairly last minute, but mm-hmm. miraculous and therefore building our faith that much more. So I don't want to, again, it goes to our initial comments about, Oh, that's practical. So therefore almost not God, you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah. wait a minute, you know, that's yeah. So budgeting is also a helpful tool to, and the you can get budgeting forms in almost anywhere on the internet mm-hmm. to from very detailed to just a skeleton budget of fixed and variable expenses. Hey. That is a good point. So Peter, you want to start us off with uh our testimony segment? Testimony. Yeah, you got one that just so, jumps in your brain. Yeah. So we uh we actually already recorded a bunch of uh, other testimonies. And we're going to start off with Peter. We'll transition over to Michael. I may say something. I probably won't. But <laughs> And then we'll just clip in those people that we've interviewed earlier this week. And so there won't be like any kind of like transition between those. So prepare yourselves like men. That's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're quoting God, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will question you and you Quote will answer God. me. <laughs> so yeah, concerning testimonies, 
Uh, one that comes to mind is when my wife and I uh, were just getting ready to come do our discipleship training school back in 2003. And I have many since then, but we God actually used a car accident to provide, wow. which is not something what? that I would normally <laughs> attribute as a plan. <laughs> Here, get in a car accident, God will provide. But uh, it does help me testify a little bit and not be completely bitter towards insurance companies. So we, <laughs> we were riding on a, uh, to go up to a neighboring state uh, for a little weekend. Um, had a trunk full of campfire wood and... Cross state lines. Uh-huh. Done that. Transport Maybe that's why we're getting stopped. But so, <laughs> and we were driving sixty miles an hour, and ironically praying while driving, not with eyes closed. And next thing I know, we're going around this bend, and a, a, not even a, a barely sixteen-year-old kid was like, just a four-lane divided highway just went through. And so all I could do is slam on my brakes, turn the wheel, and thankfully didn't tee right into him, but knocked the back of his car. My wife hit her knee, uh, which was no good. The whole situation was fairly no bueno, but the result of it really was a bum knee for three months, which is not cool, and a car that they deemed total totaled. Because the airbags went off. Because the airbags went off. Yep. And my very generous father had said, you graduated college, I'm proud of you, I want to get you a car. So... You can go ahead and make all the only child jokes of uh, spoiledness. Um, So God used my dad to provide. But basically, that car was valuable enough to pay off any remaining debt from the debt that I was referring to before, kind of like the tail end of that, to buy us a new car and to pay for our DTS. And so uh, that was not the plan. That was not what we had in mind. Um, And then... Even through that were a lot of different tests where we were in a Bible study with other college age students at the time, and one of them worked at a car dealership, and we were testifying about, you know, using this insurance money. We went and found this Jeep Cherokee. We really liked it. We we're ready to get it. And she's like knowing in her head, man, that's way too much money you guys are paying, and I know I could help you out. And so I'm at work the next day and I have this guy call me from her dealership and he's like, hey, you don't have to buy from me, but I know I can do better than what I heard you're getting for what you're getting it for. And so I was like, man, why would this guy, you know, he's the owner of this place and it's a very successful one. And he calls me at work. And so I'm like, wow, that's an honor, you know? And so, okay, we'll come check it out. So we spend two weeks looking at vehicles. Um, and knowing how much money we have and we could just spend it all on a vehicle and knowing we have a DTS coming up, but it was like, well, you know, we need a nice vehicle. God provided. So we're just going to, and so we look for two weeks and finally we get a station wagon, you know, Come for a couple on. with no kids. Good we old grocery getter. Good old grocery getter. Ford tour station wagon, 1998. And the guy even said when he showed it to us, you know, I got 5000 into that beast, but I'll give it to you for 3500 And so I was like, hmm. So we get in it. I'm like, this is our car. And so because we made right choices, it provided to pay for our DTS. Yeah, yeah. But God provided the nation wagon for us for our first few <laughs> years of marriage. And we literally traveled, you know, 9,000 miles in one trip with it. Wow. And so um, not only did God provide for our DTS through an accident, he provided through our faithful choices of what he said and not. In the temptation of the world, 
Um, so that was always cool to us as a way to start out into missions was like he used something that could have been really tragic and damaging as something that was now I know that's not your typical like through insurance and different things, but it was something that was really amazing to us. Yeah. And then maybe a more, you know, holy sounding one than the the old insurance company, um, was when we were in the nation I mentioned going to before for a school of strategic missions. Uh, that was a time where, you know, we, we already kind of had a routine of what support looked like, but all of a sudden we needed to add 10 grand to it because it was two students doing a school. It was living in a different country. It was bringing our children with us. And so that's expensive. (laughs) And, and you know, it's not a nation that's more expensive than here, but it's like, you're going to be doing the next nine months overseas minimum. And therefore you need to raise at least the chunk of the school all at once. And so just the ways that God would provide through that time where, uh, it was anything from, we had a good chunk to give them for that down payment to, okay, by the end of tomorrow, if you guys don't have this amount, we need to send you home. And God would provide like some guy. I remember one guy giving a thousand bucks, like the moment we asked, I remember, you know, money come into my PayPal account and all these different things. And from all these different places of where we felt like we've kind of tapped out people, they're like, okay, yes, we know (laughs) you need, we know this there and, and, and God would use it. And we were able to not only um, pay for the school, um, but to continue on in the nation for, for a season. And if I may, one more. So when you ask about testimonies, I can't help but think about a time that we were spending in England for the school that I mentioned before, the inductive Bible study school called the BCC. Not only, and a lot of ways God provided. One, it was the only time they ever ran a school, schools back-to-back and then the outreach afterwards. So it couldn't have been a better time to take the school, staff the school, and go. So even just the efficiency of that versus a whole year cycle was pretty unique and yeah. perfect timing for us. Number two, our money is worth half the pound at the time, not just what normally is maybe three quarters of the pound. It's, it was literally half, two to one wow. was the exchange rate. Three, because of that exchange rate, when we stepped onto staff, our like monthly staff fees was triple what it was we were used to in the States, mm-hmm. just because that's what it costs to live in England. And number four, it was 2008. If you all remember 2008 in America, oh yeah, it was a terrible time for our economy. And not only did we have enough to pay for everything we needed, but we had more discretionary income than we ever had in our whole time in missions. Wow. So we were supported in England. Our money was literally worth half. And we had more money than we had ever had to know to, to navigate life while in England. And so, man, for God providing that time during the worst economic downfall in our country in 20 years at the time wow was jesus that is crazy yeah so i want to share one that was like a big encouragement for me um so and this kind of speaks to like how specific god can be with these things but i was here and on staff this is before peter came back um i believe yeah because i wasn't married yet Anyways, so I was here on staff. Back day one of their marriage. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Happy honeymoon, I said. <laughs> I'm Peter. <laughs> I'm Peter. 
And even then, I was like, I, I like this guy. He seems pretty cool. But anyways, Ditto, so brother. we were here, or I was here on staff and uh, was like months in debt and was like, I, I don't know what to do about this. And they kind of came and talked to me and were like, the leadership at the time came and talked to me and they were like, hey, you should probably go home and work on fundraising and stuff. Now, my experience with that, my my fundraising experience from a sense of like, people I know me asking people I know and them giving to me is like basically never worked very well ever so that being said I was like I just don't I don't think that's gonna work I'm not that really that opposed like I can go sit with my parents like it's not it's not a big deal in that sense but in praying about it I just really felt like the Lord was like no I, I really like I called you here I want you to be here like, I'm going to provide for you. And I was like, ah, well, tell that to them because <laughs> they're looking at me for, you know, a few months worth of rent or whatever. Um, and so I was just praying and like a couple friends and at the time that were here, they like rallied around me and they were like, we're going to come up with this plan and, and start calling people and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I was like, Lord, like, who do you want me to contact? Like, just start listing off people. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to, like, we're going to do this thing. And uh, he told me one person, which was Cody. But he actually told me not to call him. He told me to text him, which I thought was weird because we we're always like, phone calls are better. Yep. This Cody. Yep. that This Cody here. <laughs> my, my cousin. I know Whom that. I hadn't seen in, like, I hadn't seen Cody in a long time. So, hadn't talked to him much. So I texted him and was like, hey, this is kind of what I felt like the Lord was saying. Uh, and I can't remember if I told you how much I needed at, the, at that first text. Um, I think I did. But anyways, it was some like kind of random amount because I'd been able to pay like little bits at a time. Some it super like random. 627 or something. Yeah. Like 600 something. Yeah. So I texted Cody and he was like, dude, that's crazy. He was like, I don't remember how you like said it, but basically like he had been not going to church, but felt like the Lord wanted him to save up his tithe. And like earlier, he said like an hour earlier, he'd been like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this money? And then I texted him and then like, it was like the exact amount that I needed. And like plus a few dollars. Yeah. I think plus a couple <laughs> dollars, but it was like right there. And I was like, like lost my mind and just like sat here on this couch and wept. Mm -hmm. And then like my friends, I like called them and they wept and we all were just, teary and it was great but it was like <laughs> just a, an instance of like the lord like i don't know inviting me into what he was doing um but at the same time like him providing so specifically in that moment and was like you actually don't have to try as as hard you know he's like i want you involved but like mm. it's not this like you have to fend for yourself mindset either so it was just a really cool thing so good times good times yep so now we'll hear from somebody else and go. Okay, so I'm Hannah Soli. I'm Luke's wife. <laughs> from episode three. From episode three. And um, as Cody mentioned a minute ago, I'm a mom. <laughs> so that's great. Um, all right, so Luke and I, um, we have felt called to full-time missions for a really long time. And when we first got married, we've almost married seven years, so that's great. Um, I know. So when we first got married, um, we're like, now's the time we're going to go into full-time missions. And there were a lot of things leading up that just 
felt like, oh, God's saying to do it now. Um, now looking back, I think we were a little bit off on our timing. But we, um, so we moved out to California and we were helping out with the House of Prayer in Pasadena. And um, things were just not easy and not going well. But we look back and that's not really the story I'm going to talk about, but, I, but it needs to preface my story coming up. I need to talk about that. So um, looking back, God totally did provide all of our food, all of our housing, everything we needed, we had, but it was so hard in the middle of it. And, um, we were just like, ah, like it didn't work out, you know? So we came back, um, we came back, we were, I, I'm from Indianapolis. So we, um, and we were living there when we got married. So, um, we came back to Indianapolis and we're like, okay, well, it didn't work in California, but we're going to go into full-time missions here and help out with the house of prayer here in Indianapolis. So we were living with my mom and brothers and um, Luke was going to start support raising for us to go into the house of prayer in Indianapolis full-time. And um, then we found out that I was five months pregnant. I don't know. That was just how it happened. Five months pregnant. <laughs> found out. Happened. Don't know how That's it happened. Weird. Nobody had to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah, we had the talk, but it happened. So I'm five months pregnant, and we're living with my mom and brothers at the time, and we're like, oh no, like this is no nothing is going as planned. Like our whole life is, you know, just not going as planned. We we're very excited about Ava Lee, but we were just so shocked and like what do we do now we don't even have jobs we're living with my mom this is looking terrible you know and we just feel so called to full-time missions and so um anyways we put our like support raising on hold and we're like we just have to like get jobs and like get stable before anything else because we have a baby coming it's not just the two of us so um Anyways, I was looking, um, so I was looking all over on, like, Zillow and other, like, housing apps, um, for, like, a rental apartment or a rental house somewhere, um, in Indianapolis, and, um, I kept finding some, and we kept, like, going to see them, but every time it was, like, we didn't have a deposit for these apartments yet, like, we didn't have money saved and whatever, um, we were still, Luke was, at the time, didn't have a full-time job yet, he was, like, working side jobs with buddies and stuff, so we had kind of inconsistent funds coming in um and so then I was just like getting so discouraged and um when I hit like six to seven around six or seven months pregnant like we're getting like so close to having this baby you know so I found this apartment and or this house um in downtown Indianapolis and I was like all right this looks great um I had some things that I I felt like I was praying for that I was like, oh, those have some of those, you know, things that I'm praying for. So I reached out and set a time to um, go look at the apartment. And um, Luke was so discouraged. Luke was like, no, we don't even have a deposit. Like we can't, I, we don't have consistent funds coming in. There's no way we can pay for this apartment. And um, that just set me into like, oh, he's right. There's no way, but we'll go see it. So then the day before we went to see it, um, the wife of the, um, the guy I was talking to about the apartment, um, reached out and she was like, Hey, I looked you up on Facebook and we have a mutual friend, um, that, um, that was, went to church with us. And she was like, um, 
she was like, yeah, we, we know the Lord. This is where we go to church. Like, I'm really glad you guys are coming to see the, um, the place. Like we've been praying for like a good couple or family to like move in. And so that was encouraging for sure. But I was still like, there's no way we don't have the funds to move in, but we'll go meet them and it'll be great. So we go and, um, we just like hit it off right away. They were, they actually, they had bought a duplex in Indianapolis and they lived in one half and then they were in the other, or they renovated the other side to be an apartment for them so that they could be inner city missionaries. And that's how they like, um, part of how they made their income to be inner city missionaries. And so it was just really cool how God had like connected our hearts of like missions. And we both had the same passions and the love for Jesus. And, um, so anyways, we, at the end of it, we had spent like probably two hours just like telling our stories and they told us all how they had gotten into missions. And we were talking about our passion for missions and how we felt called to it eventually. And, um, and then we just were like, we told them our whole story about California and we're like, we don't have the finances to like put out a down payment or like even right now we don't have a consistent income to be paying monthly rent. So like, we love you guys and we're so glad we met, but we can't commit to this at the moment. And um, so then uh, the husband um, said something that just changed, I think changed my whole perspective on finances. Even now, I think I've, I've been changed so dramatically from this. He, he said, God has always provided for us and I trust that the Lord will provide for you. And so if you'd like to move in, we would love to have you live here. And it just blew my mind that he trusted the Lord that much with finances, that he would even trust that the Lord had money for us and that we'd be able to pay rent and things like that. And so we were just like blown away and we left and um, eventually decided like we're, you know, the next day we were like, okay, this is definitely the Lord will move in. And um, so we moved in and, um, along with that, um, God had also been talking to me about finances, um, kind of, kind of a side story along with this is God kept telling me, um, like Hannah, if you're faithful in my house, I'll be faithful in yours. And, um, at the time it was specifically about finances, but I think there's also like many facets that this applies to. Um, but we became really like, um, like consistent tithers and that it was just like crazy how God provided abundantly for us and we like never missed rent um and God provided for all of our bills and it was just like a crazy season of God's faithfulness to us and yeah so that was a great story yeah that's so good thank you for sharing with us yeah, you're welcome sure. I loved it thank you for having me <laughs> you bet <laughs> Hi, my name is Karim, and I started my journey with YWAM in 2013. So I just want to share with you a story about the finances for my DTS. When I went to do my DTS, I actually had the finances for the lecture portion, but I was missing the finances for the outreach. And so even though I had exhausted every avenue that I knew of, I had sent newsletters, I spoke at churches, small groups, made phone calls, met with people one-on-one, -on -one. I still did not have the finances that I needed to go on outreach. So one day I received a phone call from my mom. It was a Sunday morning and she informed me that there are some friends of hers that 
live near the YWAM base where I was doing my DTS. Although I had never met them, they still wanted to make a donation towards what I was doing. So I made arrangements to stop by their house a little bit later that day. I was going to go to church afterwards, so I brought two other students that were doing their DTS with me. We went by their house. They had us over for tea. It was great. And at the end of our time together having tea, the husband informs me of the fact that they are currently dealing with some pretty serious medical issues, but really believed in what I was going to be doing and therefore wanted to make a donation towards what I was going to be doing. So he explained to me that it was a small amount, but a very large sacrifice for them under the circumstances and pulled out a hundred dollar bill. I can honestly tell you, I did not think that was a small amount, but I really felt like, wow, I didn't expect this. I was very excited and thanked them obviously for the tea as well as the donation. And the other girls and I then proceeded to go to church. So we left for church and I was elated that at least I had another hundred dollars towards the amount that I needed for my outreach. And once we get to church and the service starts, I feel like I'm supposed to put the entire hundred dollar bill into the offering. And in full transparency, I really struggled with that thought. And so I was really trying to determine, was this the Lord? Is this me? Or is this the enemy just trying to get that hundred dollar bill? And so I frantically looked for $10 so that I could just put $10 in the offering because my tithe is important and I wanted to give to the Lord what was the Lord's. And at that point I was able to determine this is not my own voice because I am fighting to hold on to this $100. And I was reminding the Lord that I still was missing a lot of finances for the outreach. So I then was able to determine, well, if this is the Lord, the right thing to do would be to walk in obedience. I was just recently learning about how to hear the voice of God and how to decipher what I was hearing. And so I knew that if it was him, it was the right thing to do. And that if it was the enemy, because my heart is to be obedient to the Lord, the Lord would honestly just chuckle and get it back to me some other way. So as the offering basket went by, so did the $100 bill in the offering basket. And I went about my week still missing all of the finances that I needed for the outreach. That week, we just so happened to have a conference at another location. And so when I returned on Friday to my YWAM base, I was approached by the person who processed our finances. And she informed me that I had received a donation in the mail. Somebody had sent in a check. I was very excited and I asked her who it was from. She told me who it was from and I was quite surprised because it was somebody that I had sent a newsletter to three months ago who happened to have been a previous employer of mine from about four to five years earlier. And so I was just dumbfounded by the fact that they wanted to send in a donation. I was very excited and she asked me if I wanted to know how much it was for. And obviously I said, sure. And she informed me that the donation that they sent was for $4,000. I did not need $4,000 to cover the rest of my outreach portion that I was missing. So I was beyond excited. Not only did the Lord return to me the $100 that I had put in the offering, but he ended up covering 
all of the finances that I needed for the outreach with abundance. And so then the extra money was able to go towards other students who were still missing their finances for the outreach portion. I got to tell you, when the Lord calls you to do something, I was really hoping that it didn't all rely on me to bring in all the finances, but I can now tell you with great confidence, he shows up every time. All we need to do is walk in obedience. Hi, my name is Jennifer Meadows and my husband, Jason, and our three boys. Um, we are on staff here at YWAM Nashville and we have been here for a couple of months and we are super excited to be serving here in this community. I wanted to share a brief testimony of how God provided for our family of five uh, last year in 2019 when we were headed for our family DTS in Texas. In Texas, the YWAM base in Texas requires 100% of your um, lecture phase tuition to be paid in full when you show up for school. So that was kind of daunting for our family because we uh, were not a family that had lots of money laying around. We were a paycheck to paycheck kind of family. And so um, we had to raise over $10,000 just to be able to go to our DTS. And uh, we had just a few months to be able to do that. So we began fundraising and sending out newsletters and slowly the money began trickling in over time and so when we began uh we we were getting close to the time to leave and uh, we had to move out of our rental house about three weeks before we had to leave for texas and um, so we moved out of our house but we still needed a couple thousand dollars um, in order to be able to even leave to go to texas and so we were getting a little bit nervous but god kept reminding us that if he began to provide why would he not finish and provide everything that we needed mm -hmm. and so that challenged our faith and we continued to visit some different churches and share our vision and what um, god had called our family to and um, we uh, the last weekend before we were supposed to leave on that following Thursday to go to Texas, uh, we still needed about uh, $1,800. And um, so that Sunday morning, we shared at a new church. It was a very small church. There were only about 40 people there. And we were thinking, oh my goodness, there's not very many people. Lord, you know how much money we still need. And so that morning we got a offering of $1,200 and that blew us away. We were thinking, wow, that was a lot, but we still need $600 that we don't have yet. And so we, um, that morning, the pastor, um, invited everyone from the congregation to come to, uh, a special evangelism, uh, service that night in town and um, lots of people were coming it was a traveling evangelist it was a big name preacher and so a lot of people came and so we decided to go we thought why not let's go see what this is all about so we took our family and we went and that night um, a man who had been in the church service that morning that we shared at was at that service that night and he came up to my husband and he said hey i didn't get a chance to um, give y'all anything this morning. He said, but I really want to bless your family for your mission. He said, but I don't have the money with me. I'm going to go get cash um, out of my bank. He said, can you meet me in town tomorrow morning? And my husband, of course, said, sure, absolutely. So they swapped phone numbers and 
Um, so we went home la that night, um, still needing $600 in order to be able to leave. And so the next morning, um, my husband drove into town to meet this man who we had never met before. We didn't even know this man. And as a matter of fact, um, my husband's parents who are from that town, they know everybody. His dad didn't even know who he was. And so we're thinking, wow, maybe it's who knows who it is because nobody knew him. But um, so my husband went and met him and that man handed my husband a thousand dollars cash the next morning. And so we were just blown away that not only did God provide every penny that we needed, but he went above and beyond and provided extra money. So even our travel expenses of driving to Texas were covered. And so we were just so amazed that God provided over $10,000 in just about three months time for our family to go. And our lecture phase was completely paid for, for our DTS. And yeah. so God is able, he is more than able. And if he has called you, he will give you everything that you need. That's awesome. Thanks, That's so good. Yeah, thanks for sharing. No problem. I'm Tony Barnes, and I'm on staff here at YWAM Nashville. And when we initially took the plunge into missions, it was me, my wife, and then our son, Will, was uh, almost a year. And we were in a season of support raising, and it lasted about four months. And at the end of that four months, we we're about like $1,300 short of just like basic expenses that we had budgeted. Um, but it just felt like we were, we were pray, praying and asking the Lord what to do. And we just felt like a clear, just go and trust me. And so we're like, okay, that's, doesn't make sense. That's pretty counterintuitive. So we just stepped out and that year we went to Memphis for, um, evangelism, discipleship, things with YWAM. Um, we had a, outreach leader there and team there. So we went and joined them. And one of the other things that was really challenging was I was a teacher before I'd went into missions. And so they were wanting to charge us the amount of uh, what a teacher would make for our son's insurance, which was more than we currently had committed to our support raising efforts uh, monthly, <laughs> the insurance alone. And so I was feeling a real wrestle and just um, like a failure a little bit but knowing also that we felt like God had clearly called us to do it. And so there was just this tension of God, you said this, but also know my responsibilities to my family. And so that, that went on for five months where he was without insurance. Um, and so he, during that time, didn't have a bump, bruise or a scratch or anything, any sickness whatsoever. And then when we got to Tennessee, it was supposed to take three months to get on insurance, but it ended up taking three days. And then the next day we had to take him to the ER, like the day we got insurance. And so just the timing of the Lord on that and just seeing how the father provided in the exact timing that we needed just felt like, wow, God, you see us, you care about us. And then when we moved into the apartment, it cost around $800 a month and we were able to pay the first month. And we were like, who knows what's going to happen after this. Um, and the same uh, day that we moved in the apartment, this chain smoker moved in down below us and my wife has asthma and my son was one and it was just filling our apartment with, um, smoking fumes. And so I went to the landlord and said, Hey, this is the situation. This is, I have a wife and kid. This isn't going to work. Can we please just move, uh, move units and we'll 
be glad to continue renting here. And she, there was just no favor. She was actually pretty mean about it. I was like, no. And if you break your lease, you got to pay for three months, um, rent on top of that. And then knowing in my mind, I knew once we went to another place, we'd have to pay a security deposit and then another month's rent as well. And we were just, when we came wanting enough faith to pay for one, (laughs) one month's rent after that. And so I was, we were just in a real pickle and, um, I went to a park to pray by the water and God spoke to me so clearly. And he said, Tony, I'm going to deliver you from the one who's too strong for you. And so I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. But then that same day I got a call from our leader and he was like, Hey, there's this housing that, um, sometimes lets furloughed missionaries come and stay. You should check it out. And it was a Baptist housing thing. And I didn't know what type of favor we'd have with the Baptists. Like we love Baptists, but we're not, that's not our, our identification. And so we applied and there was one unit left and it only cost $50 a month with utilities included. And it was the nicest apartment that we'd seen, um, in any of them that we visited and it was fully furnished. And so we were like, Oh my gosh, this is too good to be true. So we got accepted the last apartment there. It was a six month deal. Um, and so we moved out of our old apartment and we had told our old landlord, Hey, this is our new address. You can send us the bill. And we never got a bill. And I actually called them a month later and said, Hey, we never got a bill. And they're saying, well, we'll send it. And we never end up getting that bill. So that was amazing. And then that six month period ended and I emailed five friends who were disconnected from our situation in Memphis and said, Hey, we need an $800 increase in our income because we need to move out of this situation. That's been so amazing. Um, and it'll probably cost us around $800 to get an apartment. And the next day, someone I'd never met, never talked to, never heard of texted me and said, Hey, my name's so-and-so, um, we were referred to you and your wife by this other girl who'd been worship leading for our outreach, but she's going to Japan this summer and we need somebody to fill in. Would you be willing? It only pays $800 a month. Would you guys consider? And we're like, well, actually $800 is pretty nice. And so we prayed about it and obviously felt that was the Lord. And so just the exacting amount that we actually asked for in prayer, we got. And then, um, the only other thing that we were praying for, and we didn't tell anybody this, we were praying for another vehicle because I would go to, do the things I would do during the day for my job. And Aaron would be home, my wife with our son and kind of just trapped a little bit in a place she didn't know a whole lot of people. And, um, so we were asking the Lord for a new van and then Aaron heard our leader came up to us and he said, I just feel like the Lord's saying mobility over you. And I feel like he's going to give you another vehicle. I was like, Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> We've actually been praying about that. And so we went down to, um, Mississippi to, meet with the spiritual father who was bringing an outreach up to Memphis a few days later. And we were just praying with them. And on our way back, our van was acting a little funny and we got a call from that spiritual father. And he said, Hey, Tony, um, your van's really on my heart. Is it doing okay? And I was like, actually it's running a little funny. Um, he's like, okay, well I'm praying. And then three days later they brought up a van and just gave it to us. And so we had those two vehicles the whole time we were in Memphis and, right as we were getting ready to leave, our old van died. And so the season that we needed those two vehicles, we had it right up to the time we left. And so just amazing. That was just a six month period of testimonies of the way God provided. 
And God says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And it's not just for, that's not just a promise for a missionary or a professional Christian. That's a promise for all who are seeking the Lord and just wanting to do what he's calling them to do, whether they're, you know, teachers, whether they're business people, whatever the Lord um, wants to test us in our finances and bring out things in our heart. And, but he also wants to bless us and he wants to show us what kind of father he is. And so we've experienced both those things and just its faithfulness. And we've learned so much about God through the weakness of that season and other seasons and just how he does provide. And so we can totally lean on him and we can totally trust him and walking in the things that he calls us into. So hopefully that's encouraging. It's awesome, guys. Thanks for sharing. So now we can... Uh, I've got a fun question. Woohoo! It's a little Maybe we morbid. Have a theme song. It's a little morbid, but just bear with me. <laughs> it can be fun if you make it fun. <laughs> Even if you don't, just pretend to like it. What would you want written on your tombstone? Get her done. <laughs> Perfect. That works. I know what I would want on my tombstone. What? I wanted to say, I told one too many dad jokes. <laughs> that was a grave mistake. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know what I want on my tombstone. What? Pepperoni and sausage. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. There I it is. I just caught up with you. That was great. <laughs> Maybe some How onions. How are you going to top that, Michael? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> some mushrooms. I don't know. Well. Then what would you just have written on your tombstone? I don't know that either. Um, oh, I so I worked at a cemetery for a while. By the way, it was actually one of the funnest jobs that I had because I was working with this close friend that also loved Jesus. Shout you out to Saka. Graveyard shift. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, uh, we're killing it. <laughs> you guys are killing it. Point four, Cody. <laughs> but so you guys are slacking. there was a tombstone, uh, and all it said was... <laughs> A disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. That was all it said. Way to get deep on it. Like, no name. There was, like, a date. There were, like, I think the date's on it, but that's all it said. And I was like, I like it does too. not get better than, like, I exactly. want that. That's you know? awesome. So, I don't know. It just, like, wrecked me. If you put mine next to his, it'll make me look bad. <laughs> so, make sure there's at least two plots between ours. <laughs> Preferably sinners. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I just want it to be as like ridiculous as possible. Mine can be next to him because be like, get her done, disciple of Christ. Yeah, with your sausage and pepperoni. <laughs> don't forget the mushrooms. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. mushrooms growing on my tombstone. Carved into his tombstone. <laughs> oh man, for real though. For real though. For real though. I like the for disciple of Christ dough. one. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. It's good. That's a good one. I've had that question before, and then I was like, do I take it all serious? But then you said, you can make it fun. So I was like, all right. We definitely, yeah. we definitely invite the fun. Yeah. So, yeah, we had enough uh, seriousness in our last three episodes. <laughs> but also, as soon as I saw the question, I had that joke in my mind. Oh. And it was just going to totally ruin it if you were like, he did his very best. And you follow Jesus, and I don't know, something like that. And I'm like, he oh, was a man, good dad. how am I supposed to give a joke after that? A good <laughs> husband, a great <laughs> friend. 
cry just thinking about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Base stuff. Base um, stuff, yeah. Thunder Camp's gone. We might all have COVID. We <laughs> mostly finished the trail. I worked on that with Peter, actually, for a while before the camp started. I tried to carve some stairs into a boulder, but the boulder won. And uh, boulder I did successfully won. carve boulder. stairs into a soft riverbank, so felt slightly accomplished. Probably gone, though. Nope. I checked it out. We had torrential downpours for three days. Yeah, we and, did. And it went up to your bottom stair to where that animal that was maybe in the uh-huh. side bank created a new door next to your stair. And <laughs> ah, perfect. Jerk. Get off my stairs. <laughs> and I put Sucker. five <laughs> flat stones on your bottom five stairs. So hopefully they will stay now. Sweet. Thanks, Peter. You're welcome. Thanks so, for working yeah. with me, Code. Yeah, you bet. It was fun. It so was. we got a trail to the river now. If you want to come visit and go swimming, I don't know, Float. splash around, get fishing. baptized. Ooh, fishing. Um, Oh, yeah, there's some big fish. And that big We're, tree that was knocking people out of canoes yeah. got taken down in the last in the last That's good. high water. So hopefully people won't <laughs> get knocked out of their canoes. We got DTSs coming. There's one starting this fall on September 20th. There's one starting this spring, March 28th. Correct. And, yeah, you can come be a part of those. It's three months of teaching on... Living like Jesus, operating out intimacy, stuff like that, and two months of outreach overseas, at least cross-culturally. I don't know what it'll look like with COVID, but we're doing something. So come be a part of that. And uh, yeah. Tell your friends. Yeah. If you want to give to the base, you can do that at ywamnashville.org. There's a little donate button. If you want to reach out to us specifically, you can email podcast at ywamnashville.org. Yeah, yeah. Or if you just want general information on the base, you can email info at ywmnashville.org. And uh, you can call at 615-696-3096. Correct. Um, you won't get us, though, because Pat is currently the only one who has access. <laughs> but she'd love to talk to you. Um, if I could put a plug in... If you know people that are considering a DTS, it's always helpful to have a scholarship fund for those that are doing a DTS, uh, especially if they're coming from overseas and especially if they're coming from a background where people are not believers and they have no support system. So consider giving a scholarship for someone who would be in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you know anyone who might be interested in doing a DTS, or if you know anyone who's looking to support some missions, you know, <laughs> yep. we're here. <laughs> and Please uh, support Michael and Cody in their missions. They're awesome dudes. They need thanks, your support. Peter. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, and Peter, Peter and his family. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people here. It's a whole plethora. It's like the credits section. (laughs) Yeah. This is brought to you by. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks for joining us, Peter. And thank you, Peter, for joining us. (laughs) You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, audience, for joining us. Yeah, audience. Hi, Mom. It's been a pleasure. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next week 
only not because there's no audio visual there's no because there's no video <laughs> no anyways you'll hear us next week you'll hear us <laughs> next week bye Deuces. peace watch for deer Ha <laughs> ha